when you see a broad, broadcast on television, unfortunately, you're really not, you know, it's not being put together for a group like you guys. You know, mm-hmm. you're hardcore fans and, you know, you want to see every routine and, you know, NBC is a business and so they, they obviously they want to get the best ratings possible. So sometimes I know it's it's frustrating as all get up because you, you don't get to see things and you see a lot of the drama and the drama repeated and repeated and repeated again. October 30th, 2013. I'm Jessica from Master's Gymnastics. I'm Blythe from the Gymnastics Examiner. I'm Uncle Tim from Uncle Tim Talks Men's Gym. This is the number one gymnastics podcast in the galaxy, bringing you the most fascinating people in the world of gymnastics. This is a Gymcastic Classic episode, the first interview we ever did on this show with the man we all grew up listening to on NBC, Tim Daggett. Before we get started, a few tidbits about this show from listener comments and questions back when the show originally ran in 2012 in September. Uh, When Tim talks about being kind and creating ambassadors for the sport, he's talking about the elite program. A comment from a parent whose child goes to Tim Daggett's gym that I thought that was totally adorable that I wanted to share with you guys. My son goes to the preschool program at his gym. The preschoolers put on a little show at the end of the year commented by Tim Daggett as if he is on TV. So, and then she has in quotes as if Tim saying it, here comes Billy, look at that donkey kick. Amazing form. I just thought that was adorable. Um, Next one is, when a question is asked about the double front on women's vault and Tim said she should have lost five points, who is she talking about? He's talking about, he is talking about the now infamous Yamalet Peña Abru doing the Progenova. Quick reminder, Halloween costume contest. We are giving away a poster from the fabulous Cloud and Victory. They have, I think, six posters up, and you can choose from any of those. It's your choice of poster. They are a fan couture fabulousness. We love them. Check out their website, Cloud and Victory. They are the only company making just, like, gorgeous, like, clothes and jewelry and real, like, fan couture. I don't know how else to put it. It's just awesome. It's just, like, the beauty of gymnastics is what you get in their products. I just love them. So, anyway... Free for you, a poster from them. Just send in your awesome Halloween costume contest. Gymnastics related in any way. It doesn't matter. You can dress up like Caroli. You can dress up like a regular gymnast. You can dress up like a gymnastics joke, like a box of Bria pasta if you wanted to. Anything you want is fine. Anything that's even a little bit gymnastics related, if only a total gymnastics insider will get it, or if it's just whatever you want, anything gymnastics related, we would love to see it, and you win a free poster. You can support this show by shopping in our Amazon store. You can buy a book there. You can buy birthday gifts. You can do your early Christmas shopping. As long as you start through our Amazon link on our store, a little portion of what you buy goes back to the show. And you guys have asked for a way to um, support the show, so we added a donate button. So if you'd like to donate directly, you can do that. And thank you to everyone who has donated. Um, You can download the Stitcher app. It works on all devices, including Android for all you uh, Android users out there. You can subscribe to the show. We have a little email um, subscribe button on our website, and you can subscribe there, and you'll get uh, exactly what's on the website will come to your email. So you can see all the routines we put up, all the um, links that we put up, all the information on what's on the show, and it'll get emailed to you every time the show is posted. Um, We also recommend that you share us on Facebook or plus us on Google+. Plus. Um, you can rate us or write a review on iTunes, which we absolutely love. And um, you can always contact us. We read every single email, read all of your comments on Facebook. So our email is jimcastic at gmail.com. You can also call us, ask us any question, call us and leave a message, um, something that you want to talk about on the show. Our number is 415-800-3191. Or if you are out of the country, you can call us on Skype and leave a voicemail message. So any voicemail you want to leave, it's Jimcastic Podcast. And just to reassure you, none of us answer the phone. It's a voicemail system. So um, just, you know, don't worry about like having to, you know, talk to one of us right away or someone picking up, we won't surprise you like that. You just leave a voicemail. It's a voicemail system. 
Um, you can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr. And so don't forget about the Halloween con- contest. Win one of those fabulous posters. We'll put a picture of them up on our site. I can't wait to see those. Okay, here comes the interview. This week's classic interview with Kim Gaddick is brought to you by TumbleCrack. I take gymnastics class at my school, and we use lots of mats. Sometimes I don't like to go on the mats or try new things because the mats are rock solid. But I do like tumble cracks, tumbling mats, and cartwheel mats. The tumbling mats are very soft. I like the cartwheel mats because they help me see where to place my hands and feet. And they are also very colorful. You can find out all about these mats at tumblecrack.com. That's T-U-M-B-L-T-R-A-K.com. Tumblecrack. Do it again. NBC gymnastics commentator Tim Daggett attended UCLA during the golden years with greats like Mitch Gaylord and Peter Vidmar. As an elite gymnast, he has won almost every title you can imagine. He's been the U.S. national champion and NCAA champion, won the American Cup, and also won the gold medal at the 1984 Olympics with the team and home bronze on Palmer Horse. He owns gym, Tim Daggett's gold medal gymnastics outside of Boston, and is a full-time gymnastics coach. Tim, it's an honor to have you here, and thank you for coming on the show. Great, great to be here. Okay, so two things I want to ask you before we get started. Um, is there anything that you that you want to talk about that like no one ever asks you that you would love for someone to ask you in an interview? Um, you know, I mean, it's just one of the one of the frustrations that I have is. Um, you know, I mean, when you see a broad, broadcast on television, unfortunately, you're really not, you know, it's not being put together for a group like you guys. You know, mm-hmm. you're hardcore fans and, you know, you want to see every routine and it's just, you know, I mean, it's, a, it, you know, NBC is a business and so they, they obviously they want to get the best ratings possible. So sometimes I know it's it's frustrating as all get up because you, you don't get to see things and you see a lot of the drama and the drama repeated and repeated and repeated again. And that's just, you know, that's to build an audience, you know? Yes. And uh, so, you know, it's, it's, it's hard because there are, there are some really great things that always get missed, but I try my very best. And at this point, you know, I do have, you know, some, some impact on what we can see. Um, and we do get to see more, you know, variety because, uh, you know, cause I know what's going on out there. So totally. you know, I, I, do, I do fight for it. So got it. Okay. And with that, I'm going to hand it over to Blythe. Okay, so I have a, a sort of fun question to start off with. Um, other U.S. teams that won the gold medal, the women's teams in gymnastics, they come off with cool nicknames, Magnificent Seven, the uh, Fierce Five. And do you ever think about if you guys from 1984 could have a nickname, what what it would be? Or maybe you had one? <laughs> yeah, I know. We weren't that cool back then. That's the problem. Um, you know, it's uh, there was a, a big song that, that came out. Uh, Don Henley had a song called The Boys of Summer right around uh, that same time. And some of the press uh, kind of dubbed us that. But, you know, really what we got compared a lot to was the hockey team in 1980, um, you know, the Miracle on Ice. And some people called us the, the Miracle on Mass, too. So but that was as close as we had to a Fierce Five or a Magnificent Seven. <laughs> and as a gymnast, you were quite a gymnast. And, um, you know, one thing some of our listeners might not know is um, you have a pretty incredible comeback story um, from a knee injury, correct? And um, according to Sports Illustrated, uh, it says you tore your ACL at the 1987 World, but um, is that exactly what happened? And can you tell us about that? No, not exactly. What 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 I did was competing at the um, at the World in 1987, I landed my vault, and uh, there was, a, back then, they used to have, um, like, the base layer of mats, like, what you see now and then they had it like an inch cover that that ran like the entire length of the mats and um i guess part of the the lower mats had separated but you really couldn't see that because you had this cover that went the entire length of the landing area and so i landed in a crack and um it's kind of like a a ski boot fracture and um just really snapped my leg i i shattered both the bones in my left leg, um, 
and uh, it was pretty pretty messy because uh, I ended up tearing an artery as well, which uh, required about five different emergency surgeries. I lost pints of blood, and you know, in in, in Rotterdam, Holland, uh, basically the doctor told me his hope was to save my leg, not to you know ever walk or run or certainly do gymnastics again. It was just you know somehow to save my leg so they wouldn't have to amputate, which was uh, pretty surreal at the time. And um, I was very fortunate. Uh, I got out of there and uh, went to UCLA, and they, they hooked me up, and it was a, a very, very long process, you know, because all the surgeries, the vascular injury. and um, But uh, I did compete again, which I'm very proud of. And the world champion that year was Dmitry Bilozerchev, who had gone through something similar after a car accident. Is that correct? Did you know about that at the time? Oh, oh, sure. I'm I'm actually a good friend of Dmitry's, and uh, you know, post 1984, I don't know why, but um, USA and the Soviet Union, we had a whole bunch of competitions, and we even had a lot more training camps together. And so um, we we all knew each other quite well, and we were very friendly. Um, and, uh, I, I don't know why this was, but, uh, you know, as you guys know, there are many competitions outside of worlds or Olympic games. And for whatever reason, you know, all of the meets that I went to around the world, Dima was always there. And so we got to know each other well. And, uh, his coach, uh, at that time, you know, really was the person who made him who he was, was. Alexander Alexandrov, who is, of course, the head coach uh, for this, the Russian team now. And my coach at that time was uh, Yefim Furman, who is from the Soviet system. And so, you know, there was, there was this translator component. So we really got to know each other quite well. I see. And now you have a son, Peter, who's named after Peter Vidmar. Is that right? Yes, um, yes. He's quite an up-and-coming junior gymnast. He's uh, been to a couple of uh, level nine national championships, I think. And, um, he has already had ACL surgery. I read this in an article uh, a couple of years ago. And if I can ask, uh, what's it like being the dad of a gymnast who has a knee injury like that? And, uh, how do you, how do you help him get through it? Well, it's horrific, <laughs> you know, cause it's, uh, he had it at such a young age and it really was such a, uh, a fluke accident, you know? Um, one of the things, and if you hear my, Broadcasts. We always, you know, when somebody lands with locked legs, it's really scary. Um, and you know, the likelihood that something happens really bad isn't all that high, but the potential is there. And so, when I see somebody on the air land with locked knees, I'm always like, "Bend your knees." And uh, that's what my son did. He was doing um, a dismount off high bar, and he landed with locked knees. And um, yeah, it's for his ACL, but. Uh, he worked really hard and, uh, you know, did a lot of rehab and uh, has come back. And since that injury, he made the junior national team. So very proud of that little man. That is quite an accomplishment. Um, I think some of the fans might wonder what vault you were doing when you hurt your knee. Well, actually, it was a highly rated vault back then, but uh, it was a piked Cuervo. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, very few people do it nowadays because uh, it really isn't an efficient way of flipping and twisting. Um, what, you, what you're doing is you're doing a, a forward handspring. It's basically a handspring pipe front with a half turn, but you do it at the wrong time, so it's a little <laughs> inefficient. So you do a handspring and you immediately um, do a full half turn um, where you kind of have to stall your rotation even a little bit, and then you do a pike back somersault after that. So um, that's what I did. And Obviously, when you came home from the Netherlands, you probably thought your career was over. And at what point did you think, wow, I could I could maybe do elite gymnastics again? You know, it, it took so long because it, uh, you know, I was uh, I was in the hospital for a couple of weeks in, in Rotterdam. And I came back and was in at UCLA for another week. And then I had, you know, home care for a couple of months. And I was in a wheelchair, I, literally, to, probably till. I don't know, mid-January, and, uh, you know, I don't I don't know what happened, but uh, one day, you know, I used to get outside, and like I said, I had a health aid that helped me, um, and my apartment in Los Angeles uh, sat atop a big hill, and um, if you went to the left, 
it was very flat for a long way. And if you went to the right, you went down this big hill. And one day I just said, I'm going to go this way. And, you know, my health aide was like, no, we shouldn't do that because then you, you know, you got to come back up and it's going to be very hard. And I said, I don't know. It's a beautiful day. I just, I just want to see what's going on down this way. And so I went down the big hill and I, you know, I didn't really realize it at the time, but I got to the bottom and she says, okay, it's time, time we should probably get back up. And I was like, I got it. You know, I can, I can get up and. She was like, no, I can help you. I have to push you. You can't, you can't go up this hill. I mean, I hadn't, my body basically hadn't moved for months. And I said, no, I said, do not touch the chair. And um, so I pedaled my way, or I didn't pedal, I used my arms and pushed my way to the top of the hill. I, a couple of times, uh, almost went out into the road because I had no strength at all. But um, she didn't touch the chair and I made it to the top. And for some strange reason, when I did that, I knew I had to try to come back. That's fantastic. And once you were back in the gym, uh, was it harder than you expected? Um, you know, I, I knew how hard it was going to be. Um, it's it just uh, a mid-shaft tibia um, shatter like that uh, is one of the slowest healing bones. And um, when you compound it with the vascular injury of tearing the artery and losing all that blood, you know, I had to... Uh, a couple other different surgeries. It's called a fasciotomy to release the, you know, the pressure in, in my lower leg. And I knew it was going to be really hard. Um, and you know, it wasn't my, it wasn't my first time dealing with a serious injury. You know, I had fallen and landed on my head and ruptured some discs in my neck. And so I really knew that it was going to be hard. Um, I, 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 I thought it would be less painful after a while, but Really, it just it never it never lost um, that intense pain. It just was was even it was there, you know, the day I competed at the Olympic trials. After something like that, to go back to the Olympic trials, having won a gold medal, um, what was driving you? You know, it, it's funny. Um, I just uh, I really felt that I could be better, and you know, I was the youngest guy in '84. And I, 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 before the injury, I fully knew I was going to continue on, you know, for another four years. And I, I just really thought that I could be much better than I was in Los Angeles. And, you know, I had made that commitment to myself. And, you know, even though it was hard, even though there were lots of people that said, you know, you should move on, it's just not the kind of person I am. Um, and I had to try. And, uh, you know, uh, kind of remarkably, I, I made it all the way to the Olympic trials. And, uh, you know, after the compulsories, I, I did a pretty good job. And uh, I think I, I led two events at, at the, you know, in the compulsories. And I think I was seventh. I was either seventh or eighth after the first day. And, uh, you know, it just, uh, I know what it took to go to the Olympic Games to win an Olympic gold medal. And it was hard. And, I had to make sacrifices and I had to be committed. Uh, but getting back to uh, the Olympic trials and having that first day and even the second day, um, it was it was a it was a higher mountain to climb. And I'm actually, in many ways, you know, nobody knows about this, but for me, for me as a person, I'm more proud of that than I am of winning a gold medal. So shortly after your comeback, um, you started your your career as a commentator. Could you? talk briefly about how you became involved in with NBC as a commentator? Sure. Um, you know, a lot, a lot of people, especially some of the younger folks today, they just think things happen. And, you know, in a certain amount, they do. But, you know, I always wanted to be, I always wanted to do it. It just looked like it would be the, the coolest job ever. And I couldn't figure out how to. Um, I thought about it a lot and, you know, I didn't know anybody in TV really. Um, so I thought to myself, what's the best shot of finding an agent? And I said, they're probably all in New York. And of course there was no internet then. And you couldn't just Google it. <laughs> so I, uh, I got on a bus, uh, from Springfield, Massachusetts, and, um, I went to New York city and back then, of course, pay phones and yellow pages. 
And so I'm sitting, I get off the bus and Penn Station or whatever, and um, I find a, a phone booth that actually has the yellow pages still there. And I'm just looking through it and looking through agents. And, you know, of course, everything is theatrical or, you know, singing or whatever. And I find um, I find a section that I think is for television broadcasters and sports. And um, I see uh, a listing, and it's one of the first. It's called Athletes and Artists. And um, so I figure, athletes, what is that? And I... I did a little more checking, and um, it actually was started by one of the pioneers in the industry, a guy named Art Kaminsky, who represented you know just so many different broadcasters throughout the years. So I put my quarter or dime or whatever it was in the phone, and um, I called athletes and artists, and I said um, to the lady, the receptionist who answered the phone, "Hello, my name is Tim Daggett, and I was a gymnast in the Olympics, and I won an Olympic gold medal, and I'd love to do television broadcasting." And she was like, oh, you know, she sounded a little flustered and um, <laughs> she put me on hold. And a couple minutes later, Art Kaminsky got on the phone and he said, hello, Tim. I'm a big fan. I'd love awesome. to meet you. And he said, when can we get together? And I said, well, I just kind of came down here now. And so I'm, you know, right near Broadway. And uh, can I come over now? And he was he was flabbergasted by that. And so um, I went over and I met the crew and uh, was assigned an agent named Alan Sanders. And uh, I've been with Alan ever since. Great. So something that we probably don't really understand is how much time and effort you have to put into preparing for a competition. Could you talk a little bit about how you catch up on the news and the athletes or their websites you visit or their blogs that you visit? Could you talk a little bit about that process? Anything and everything, you know, and now it's actually easier, obviously, but so much harder because there's just, there's too much information. Um, People ask me, you know, how do you get ready for an Olympics? See, I just, I never stop. That's what it comes down to. I just never stop. Um, you know, uh, I did take uh, a couple-week break after the Olympic Games because I was just so exhausted. Um, but I do, on average, I do about an hour a day every day. And um, e- even when nothing is coming coming up, uh, you know, I'm just visiting sites. I'm talking to people on the telephone. And, um, and then, you know, when we get closer to an event, you know, I, I ramp it up a lot. Um, three months before the Olympics, I was probably doing about eight hours a day. Um, and, you know, uh, a month before the Olympics, it was, you know, I was in front of my computer or on the telephone, you know, 12 hours a day. And um, I really, one of the things that I want to be able to do is I want to know all of the players, um, a bunch of different areas. I want to know, obviously, something about them personally. Um, and I want to know um, their past accomplishments. And then I want to know what they do. And so basically, I know, know going into the games what I believe to be the routines of all of the players, men and women, um, on all the different events. And I, I do know that. Um, and then I also have to, um, in my brain, because, you know, you got to access everything pretty quickly. I want to have um, perspective, you know, like uh, when somebody from, you know, uh, Romania is going, obviously I have to have, you know, stats in my brain of all of the accomplishments of Romania, you know, to be able to, if, if something becomes relevant, to be able to talk about that. So it's a lot to know, but I love doing it. So Great. And something else that I think a lot of gym fans think um, is we think we tend to think that uh, you have a huge role in production and everything that happens on NBC's broadcast is because of you, because you're kind of the figurehead that we look to. Could you talk about how much of a role you have in the production and what um, you think maybe NBC is trying to do with uh, their broadcast. Well, I do have a role now. You know, initially I didn't have, you know, I mean, I was just, I was a minion, you know. <laughs> but, um, yeah. you know, the, the the thing that is a little frustrating is 
you know, it's a company. NBC is this huge corporation and, you know, it's a business and they're, they're trying to make money. And so, you know, really there isn't a gymnastics broadcast on television that is tailored for the hardcore gymnastics fan. It's just not because unfortunately there aren't enough of us. Um, so what it comes down to is we have to make the sport appealing and interesting to, um, you know, the grandma in Topeka or whoever. And uh, so if, if unfortunately, if you have a ton of different cast of characters, it's just um, they lose interest. And so we're always going to focus on the Americans because it's the national broadcasting company, you know, and so that's always going to be the case. And then we're going to, you know, pick and choose, you know, the the most dramatic stories out there. And, you know, we're going to we're going to tell the story and we're going to tell it again because it's 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 what it's what the the casual viewer it's what they want, you know, and NBC has done so many uh, you know, I mean, they constantly, forever and ever, they're doing research on, you know, what is it that these people want to see, and they want to learn about, you know, about Victoria Komova. They want to learn about her, um, and they want to know, you know, some of her history, and, you know, they we got to tell that story, and we got to tell it again and again and again, you know, and so it's uh, it, it, it's not like going to a podium training at a world championships. If you saw me at a podium training at a world championship, I'd look just like all of the hardcore gymnastics fans because I love the sport so much. And I'm, yeah. I'm looking at bars and then, oh, did you see that on beam? That was beautiful, gorgeous. You know, and then I'm back over on vault and I'm like, hey, pen is going now. Or I mean, it's uh, I'm all over the place. I love it. But, you know, uh, to, to sell up her, uh, a a show, it's just that that's unrealistic and it's really not going to happen that way. So, um, you know, and, and one of the other things that's, that's so frustrating to me is, you know, we, we show the, the great routines. We always do. And, you know, mm-hmm. I love it. And when it's spectacular, I go crazy. I mean, high bar finals at the Olympic games was, huh. was just off the charts. And I was as excited and thrilled and, you know, calling FK and of course calling, uh, um, Bukin on high bar. It was just fantastic. And I'm so positive and so, you know, passionate and, you know, people always think I'm negative and I'm critical, but it's like the only thing that I do is I interpret for that grandma in Topeka. Mm-hmm. I interpret what the judge is doing through my comments, you know, cause it's like, I have to let them know why this isn't going to be, you know, you know, yes, it's, it's remarkable. It's amazing. But in the context of the Olympic games or the American cup or whatever, it's just not good enough. And it's not, sometimes it's not like watching a quarterback throw the ball and get intercepted and run back for a touchdown. It's not that clear, but you know, to you and to me, it is because we know, Oh, that's a full point. She lost the, not just uh, doesn't just get the deduction, but she also loses the element, and she was supposed to connect off of it. And it's, you know, it's it's devastating, and so you know, I, I they hire me to tell the truth, and I try to. And so we are really the hardcore gymnastics fans, and we would love to talk to you a little bit um, from the fan perspective, from the hardcore fan perspective sure. about the Olympics that's happened. Um, could you put it sort of? In context for us, um, interpret some of the surprises, the best moments, the best routines that you saw in London. Well, I, I, you know, personally, I just thought High Bar was was off the charts. I mean, it was unbelievable. Um, what a final! I mean, Jonathan Horton did, you know, one of the best routines of his life, and mm-hmm. you know, he, he he didn't make it to the medal podium. He's got a lot to be proud of for that routine, though, because it it, it was tremendous. But it, I, it's just FK and. You know, and uh, Hambukin were just ph- phenomenal. I actually think that Fabian, I don't know, I think he kind of maybe got the short end of the stick there. He's just, it was much cleaner, but, um, but FK was just, just off the charts fantastic. You know, you know, it was, it was wild. And, you know, I, I set that up 
before the games in a production meeting, I said that in the uh, qualifying rounds, we need to show this guy FK Zonderland. And they're like, where is he from? Holland, we, we, we can't do that. We can't show that. And I go, he is going to do the hardest piece of gymnastics of any gymnast in the games, male or female. So we got to show him. And they're like, ah, I don't know. No. So we, we got him. No, we showed him. But, of course, he didn't do it in the prelims. But, um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, the high bar was a highlight. Um, obviously, the, uh, the, the next most amazing thing for me was – the USA women's uh, vault, mm. the first rotation in the team finals. I mean, it was it was breathtaking and dominant times ten. And then Michaela, you know, capping it off with you know, the the best vault that's ever been done by a woman um, ever. I mean, and those silly judges finding all those deductions. It's just it's just crazy. So that was that was an amazing one. Um, watching Gabby hold it together mm-hmm. was was phenomenal in the all around finals. Because you know, if you're a hardcore fan, you know how wonderful she is. You know how brilliant she can be. But you also know that you know she's capable of you know of really having a mental lapse. That's all there is to it. You know, um, a lot of people don't know this, but there was there were rumors that in the first day of competition, Gabby wasn't going to do the all-around. And I heard that, and I said, that's the craziest thing I ever heard. She just won the Olympic trials. But she really, in training, had been struggling on Dean a lot. And uh, a lot. You know, she was that that, uh, first sequence where she does, you know, aerial, flip-flop, layout, step out. She was falling a lot. And there was talk that they weren't going to put her up, which, you know, I thought would have been the biggest mistake ever. And I'm glad that they didn't do that. Um, so let's see what else was was amazing. I thought Chenny Bing was better on rings, um, but uh, a lot of people don't know this either. You know, the Brazilian guy, he uh, he, he I, you got to hand it to him because he took a risk of epic proportions. You know, he he knew you know the draw was done before. And he knew that if you came in the leader on still rings, that you would compete first in the individual event finals. And mm-hmm. so he took either, I can't remember at this point, but it was either two or three tenths of, of difficulty out of his routine because he didn't want to qualify in first. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was pretty gutsy and um, it worked. He made it. And then he ends up in the last position and, you know, Chenny Bin going first and him going last. Um, but uh, I think they got that one wrong, personally. I just think Chenny Bing is, is, is poetry. Um, and uh, Zanetti's great, but not quite of that level. Um, let me think. What else was amazing? I was, I was really um, happy for Alea on the uneven bars. You know, it's been a, um, a tumultuous... Uh, couple of years for her as well but she's she's a beautiful gymnast and a beautiful person and um you know her bar routine is it's gorgeous absolutely fantastic um the combination you know she does shapash and then stalter to release to the high bar just gore absolutely elegant Mm -hmm. um beth was phenomenal as well though just uh you know it's like she she went for it she did that double double and uh you know, I don't really what what it comes down to is that was a three tenth step. There's no question about that. And you know, I don't know if she needed that. I, I think she as an athlete needed it because you just look at her routine and you can see that absolutely she is all out one hundred percent from start to finish. So she had to do everything she had and she did and she won a medal and I'm sure she's really grateful about that. I have one uh, follow-up question about bars because I was so, um, this might sound bad, but I was really excited when I was watching the bar final and you said when Gabby went up, you were really trying to set the expectation because people were like, well, is she a favorite for this? And you were like, no, not really. I mean, you know, she doesn't really have the difficulty, right? And all of us know that, right? But the people at home are like, it's Gabby, she's going to win. But when she went, you were like, there was something specific you said where you were like, well, she's the best. And then you're like, well... She's, you know, the best at this competition for the U.S. And I totally knew you were talking about Anna Lee. 
Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, what what we're getting down to at that point in time is, you know, she's she is the it person of the Olympic Games. I mean, I think she had 32 million independent um, Google searches during the Olympics. Oh my God! Something off the charts like that. So, um, you know, and the American public, you know, coming into coming in into each night of women's gymnastics, they are craving for Gabby. Yeah. You know, it was even a little more challenging on balance beam because, you know, she really wasn't, you know, at that level on beam for the beam finals. Um, so uh, that was hard. And then coming into bars, you know, she really, you know, if people fell, she could have gotten a medal. But everybody knew, you know, that that, that was most likely not going to happen. And I think when I said she's the best, I was giving her props for, you know, she was the, she is the Olympic all around champion. I think that's probably what I, what I was um, making reference to. And, you know, you know, it's important for people to know, even though it was tape delay, um, we called all of the routines live, every single one, we called them live. And, um, we were at the compound till sometimes, you know, three in the morning because what happens in television is, um, you know, you got this huge puzzle to put together for a primetime broadcast. And so they start out with a plan, um, you know, swimming, they're going to be at for, you know, an hour and three minutes and gymnastics, they're going to be at for an hour and 26 minutes and water polo and all these things. But then, you know, uh, something happens dramatic at a venue that they didn't anticipate. So they give that some time and they take away from somebody else or gymnastics is off the charts. And so they take away from swimming. And so when they do that, what we have to do is we have to either lose routines, lose replays, um, add routines, add replays. And so we're just doing those transitions. Um, and that is brutally time consuming. But uh, just for the for the folks who uh, who think that that you know I, I'm manufacturing this stuff and sometimes um, looking at it and you know and I already know what happens. Well, we called it live, so which is the way I love to do it. And you know we called it live, and I said that Chenny Bing, you know, after Zanetti went, I said I think he's the champ, and uh, you know he wasn't. So we didn't we didn't take that out because that's what I felt. And, you know, you know, that's important for people to know. How do you feel about the perfect 10 and the way the scoring system has changed? Well, I hate it. I, I mean, I just, I just hate it because it's, it's just so confusing because, and, you know, some of it could go away if they got, you know, but it's, it's always going to be confusing in my opinion because you know they're gonna. It's it's like the the tax system. There's always going to be a loophole. Somebody's going to find an easy combination, or you know they're just going to find a way that that's really not as hard, but it brings in all these points. And it's going to happen on certain events. And so the biggest problem with what we have right now is a fifteen seven is you know either a really great score or let's just say a 15, a 15, two is from off the charts, good to not good at all across the different events. And so for the, the casual viewer at home, they just, they just don't understand that. They can't understand how men's vault can score so much higher than every other event or why women's floor exercise scores so much lower. Frankly, I don't get why women's floor exercise so much lower either. <laughs> I mean, I just, I, 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 sometimes I, I see the deductions and, um, it's very, very frustrating on the men's side. You can have a, a stellar executed routine, a Kohi Uchimura like routine or Hambukin like routine. And, you know, you can lose uh, nine tenths in deduction and you can have a really mediocre routine really mediocre and it can be 1.3 off in execution and if it just they're not they're not doing it right that way so mm -hmm. i like to pretend um the 
the thing that really doomed the pen, in my opinion, wasn't that there wasn't a way to differentiate. It's just the judges wouldn't go to it. That was the problem. Um, like, I remember Dragulescu on vault. You know, I can't remember exactly what he got, but I think he got a 9.875 or something like that. And, you know, the guy that was right below him, you know, he got a 9.8666 or whatever. And, you know, I mean, they both did a hamstring double front half, and the comparison wasn't even – I mean, it's just Marion was so much better. Why why wouldn't they – why wouldn't they score the state-of-the-art at a 10? Like Michaela's ball in the women's team finals, in a 10-0 system, that should have been a 10. And then, you know, I mean, Gabby Douglas did a fantastic ball that day, and that should have been a 9.95. And, you know, people would get that. And uh, it differentiates plenty at that level. So, But I don't think it'll ever happen again. Um, the level of difficulty has gone up uh, on certain events just even during the past decade, uh, an extraordinary amount. And uh, as a former gymnast, as a coach, um, are there any skills that it, it sort of freaks you out to look at people do? Uh, yeah. I mean, there's it, it is amazing what people are capable of doing. You know, I, I'm probably pretty biased, but some of the faults just really scare me. Um, it's just... Uh, because I've seen these gymnasts that are the best in the world and they can pull these vaults off and, you know, they look, they look magical, but I've also seen them crash really bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so that, that scares me a little bit. You know, high bar is hard, incredibly hard, but, you know, it's like coaching it. And I coach those skills. I coach Kovacs and Coleman's and all that kind of stuff. And it's, it's, it's really in a lot of ways, not all that different than, you know, a heck ginger. It's, it's really not. Um, but, uh, you know, I mean, I, for one balance beam, I just think it's, it's so hard to make it look in any way artistic. I mean, really the Chinese, obviously they are the ones that can still kind of make it look artistic, but it's even hard there. And, uh, so I, I don't, I don't love that component of it at all, but, uh, yeah, I you know if 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 I got to change it all, I don't I don't know if I could come up with a better way of doing it. I love I love the opportunity to push the envelope to do something harder. Um, what is really lacking though is you know is always striving to figure out a way to do something relevant and different. You know, I mean, there's different for silly, you know, no real gymnastics. Uh, reason, but if it's if it's real and it's beautiful and it's virtuous, um, doing something original is is just is phenomenal and should be rewarded, you know, extremely, you know, highly. Do you think that there's any vault? And I'm really just saying um, for the handspring double front for women. Do you think that that should be banned? Um, I don't think it should be banned, but I think she should have lost about five points on it. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's, it's really silly. Yeah, it's, it's really silly because, I mean, it's not even close. I mean, it's, it's, re- it's really not even close. And, you know, I mean, it's just she's she's powerful and she is fearless. And so she runs down there. And, you know, I don't have any, you know, on the men's side, you see the same thing. In the junior program in the U.S., you have these kids that are crazy, and they run down and they do this vault, and they score really high. And it's like if I were judging that, you know, I would absolutely – I would find every single deduction, and there are so many. And they didn't take them. Uh, they just didn't take them. That's all there is to it. And so th- that's an example of them just not applying the code. The code you know, mm-hmm. I mean, if they judged that vault the way they judged – angles on men's high bar, then it would have lost, it would have lost at least three points, if not, you know, four points, because there were, there were errors everywhere, every single place that there's a deduction on vaulting. And if you go through them all, there's a lot, you know, she had it and they didn't take them. Do you ever feel tempted to do some backseat coaching? You know, do you ever want to just approach a gymnast coach and be like, he or she needs to point their toes or straighten their legs on this element, things like that? <laughs> yeah. It's, um, 
it's hard not to. You know, a lot of these guys um, on the U.S. side, you know, like I said, I grew up with, you know, and um, so like Arthur Akopian, you know, I competed with him many, many times, and he's a friend of mine, and Valeri Lukin, um, uh, Lukin, excuse me, he, uh, you know, when I did my leg in Rotterdam, he and and uh, Vladimir Novikov came to visit me in the hospital. So, it, you know, sometimes I'm I'm standing there and I, I just want to say something. And uh, but you know, it, it, I have a role in that situation, um, and I I kind of keep that. I have to keep that hat on because I can never be a cheerleader for the USA. I can cheer like crazy when a USA athlete does a great thing, but if somebody from Romania or China did the did the same thing. I would I would cheer exactly the same. Elite program. I was just kind of wondering if you could talk a little bit about the JO program and the direction that it's taking, including adopting the elite scoring system. What are your thoughts on the JO uh, program? Well, you know, I think the JO program does a lot of things right. There's there's no question about it. Um, I you know I, I am a firm believer though that. Um, that we, the United States, can be as competitive uh, if we were a little kind, kinder and gentler. <laughs> I just, yeah. I know that's not, I know that's not the the question you were asking, but I just think that um, that it doesn't help that much. Um, and I know that you have to be intense and I know that you have to be passionate, but, um, I, sometimes I think that, that, uh, that we can be, um, uh, a little too angry. And, um, I think we, that's the area where the USA can improve the most. And I think it'll pay dividends in, in every aspect of gymnastics from the amount of kids that want to do the sport to the amount of kids that stay in the sport and to the amount of kids that stayed in the sport and are ambassadors for the rest of, of their lives for gymnastics. Amen to that, sir. I am going to put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> I am not even oh, kidding. Great. Seriously. I think you just echoed the sentiments of almost every gymnastics fan or kid who has done gymnastics in their entire lives. Yeah. Well, it can be done. You yeah. know, it really can be done. You know, you have to be tough. There's no question. You have to be tough. But um, you also have to have compassion, not just superficially, but in your soul. So, yes. Enough said. Oh. Yes, thank you for that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so if you had to summarize your coaching philosophy, what would you say it is? Um, well, hopefully... Um, I, I don't have a coaching philosophy. I really don't. <laughs> okay. um, I have a teaching philosophy. And, okay. Um, I want to make sure that anybody that was with me, hopefully, has has um, has had a great experience um, and has learned um, in areas that uh, will benefit them as individuals for the rest of their lives. And um, that's the most important thing for me. And my my paint and canvas is the sport of gymnastics. So that's the forum that I have this opportunity to hopefully teach. And, you know, I'm not a wimp. You know, I'm I'm tough. And, you know, I'm I'm not brutal, but I know when somebody is capable of more and you know when they're not when they're not giving everything they've got then I am on them to bring that out in them but the thing that I do is you know for example if if I'm coaching a boy and I know that you know he's for whatever reason he's just he's a little distracted today you know maybe he had a rough day at school maybe his girlfriend broke up with him He's going to deal with situations like this for the rest of his life. And he has told me that he wants to be the best that he can be. And so I never just pound on him. I say, you know what, Paul, you can really be a champion. You know that. 
I know that. You have it in you. You have all of these wonderful qualities, but today you are just not getting it done. You're so distracted. You've got to get your mind in the game. You can do this, and we need to do it now. You know, I mean, that's very different than what is the matter with you? I am disgusted in you. You know, that, that, that's different. So my, my overall philosophy is to, be, is to be a mentor and to be a teacher and um, to use the sport of gymnastics as my, uh, as, uh, I don't know, my, my instrument. Wow. Well, if I ever come out of retirement, I'll, I'll definitely go to your gym. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so um, something that uh, Blythe asked you about earlier was about coaching and in terms of execution and talking to coaches. Are there ever moments? where you want to go up to the other coaches and say, How, why are you treating your, your gymnast this way? Or are there ever moments you want to kind of step in and run the interference? Well, yeah, there are, and I have, you know, but and that occurs when I am a coach on the floor, not a broadcaster on the floor. Um, and you know what? I'm, I'm not perfect, and I'm the first one to admit it, you know, freely. Um, and I've had people that have come up to me and, you know, given me advice, you know, whether it's technical or advice or, or whatever, because, you know, there are some people out there that need an attitude adjustment, but there also are some amazing coaches in our program that are tremendous mentors. And, you know, they notice something and they'll come up to me and, you know, I'm, I'm as receptive as you can possibly be. Um, but yes, on the other hand as well, you know, I mean, I just think that sometimes, you know, it's like, for example, at a junior boys competition, I've seen coaches have an athlete do something they're not, they're not ready to do in a safe, in a safe way, like uh, Thomas on floor, for example. Oh, and, you know, and I've, I've gone right up and I've said, I said, Hey, you know, you did a double back in your career, right? And they go, yeah, sure. And I go, Hey, do you ever land short on a double back? you ever like put your hands down and they go, yeah, of course everybody does. And I go, you're right. And your kid right there, he can't even do a double back and he's doing a Thomas. What happens when he lands short? You know, because it's, um, you know, we have a responsibility obviously to the kid first and foremost. And that's a a good lead into a a question that we had about the the new code that's coming out. Um, So, you know, if Bruno Grandi were to call you up tomorrow and ask you for your input, what do you want to see in the new code? What do you not want to see? What would you tell him? Uh, well, you know what? One of the biggest problems is I really don't think that you absolutely can know how to win the sport of gymnastics from the rules. I really, that's, that's a big problem. Um, and you know, there are certain events that just, you know, men's high bar, for example, it's, I think it's the worst and men's pommel horse, uh, you, you never know how anything is going to be evaluated until you're actually at the games with the panel that's on the floor. And that, that's a huge mistake. I mean, there are all these, you know, intricate, you know, pirouetting skills that are, some of them are D's and E's and you can connect on them. And, you know, in the U.S., um, a couple of years ago, I'll give you an example. Um, one, of, one of the kids that I coached, John Deaton, who's now at Stanford, um, we spent a year learning a Robalco on high bar. And it's tricky. It's hard to learn, you know, for, for some kids especially. And so we did that. And he also did an endo full, which was a, another D skill. And he went to the JO Nationals and he did a beautiful routine. And he had three of these pirouetting skills. And he did double-double laid out, you know, beautiful release, stuck it, all this stuff. And he was like 37th in the country, you know. And I was I was flabbergasted and furious. And it's like... The panel was instructed at that time, which is fine, you know, that to be extremely critical on these pirouetting skills. And so he basically lost five tenths on all of them. And if you look at, you know, someone like Zokai, if you apply the rules to his pirouetting elements, it's five tenths off on every one. That's all there is to it. But that's not how it gets judged. And so it's, that's very, very frustrating. And it's a dumb rule anyways. Um, I'll give you an example. FK does that same Stalter Rebalco, and it is crisp, and it's dynamic, 
and he slaps his hand on the bar, and it just, it's like, wow. But if you freeze frame where he is grabbing the bar, it's low, but who cares? <laughs> it's an unbelievable element, and it doesn't need to go to a handstand. It doesn't need to. You know, if, if the men tried to do that, you know, first of all, the surface area of an uneven bar and a high bar is so different, and the men actually have to be in a complete dorsal grip, whereas the women really don't. And if they were to do that, they would be able to do the sport of gymnastics at that level for another six months because they would every single gymnast in the world would develop a shoulder injury. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's non it's non sustainable, and so it's a dumb rule. And so they really need to. They really need to get rid of a lot of the dumb rules. Um, so what would you say are some of the other dumb rules that we have? I'm just out of curiosity. Well, it's pretty dumb that, you know, we saw people doing triple backs on floor that were capable of doing them, you know, in 19, what, 1980? Yeah. yeah. You know, um, it's, uh, that's pretty dumb. <laughs> and, and they're not doing them now. Um, it's really dumb when someone tries to do one and they can't do it. But, you know, I mean, obviously there are many people who could do that element and that would be very exciting for the sport. Um, I think that the, that the one and three tenths deduction for a step is, it's really, all it does is it enables, um, people to cheat really is what it comes down to because, it's, you know, the way it's applied, you never know. I mean, you can see somebody take the smallest of steps and, you know, if you, if you look at their score and you try to figure out, it looks like they took three tenths off and someone takes one and that's just as big and they get a tenth off. I think that that's a, that's not a very good rule personally. Um, let's see what else is, is not good. Uh, well, on, on, um, men's high bar, for example, or, or men's parallel bars, that there's not a connection. You know, if you're going to have connection, you should either have connection on every event or you shouldn't have connection. I mean, it's crazy that they, you can get connection on, you know, on high bar and you can't get it on parallel bars. I mean, that's just silly. Um, pommel horse, you know, is, it's a, it's a very challenging event, you know, to, to put into this box, you know, to try to make it um, logical. Um, but because they've done that, you know, there are so many things that you're not even allowed to do anymore. And it's just, you know, it, it's, it's silly, you know, like there's a skill. Of course, I don't even think in the code anymore. It's called a Nikolai. I mean, you guys know what a Nikolai is on Pommel Horse? No. It's, no. Three, it's three back moors in a row. Back more down, back more up, back more down, or vice versa, up, down, up. And it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. And you can't do that anymore for three elements in a row. But it's not because the nature of pommel horse is that each one of those are a little bit different when you're doing them additively. Um, who can forget uh, either Mogilny or Artemov on parallel bars? You know, one of the most popular things was right before a double pike to do two back tosses in a row to double pike. Mm-hmm. Absolute artistry, you know, in 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 motion, and you can't do that. And why? You know, um, why would you say that you can't straddle in any way unless it's already in the code of points that? That just is is beyond understanding to me. I mean, I didn't love it, but, you know, the Chinese came to, I think it was the 1985 World Championships, and everybody was doing this, you know, half in, half out in a um, side summy type way. And it was cool. It was absolutely cool. And, you know, they don't allow it. It it just doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Um, I did a skill on still rings that you can't do. In the Olympics, I did, right from the bottom, I would do a, I would, like, go into a deep pancake and straddle kip right to a V. And aesthetically, I thought it was really cool, and I thought it looked good, and people really liked it back then. You can't do it. It doesn't, that doesn't make sense. 
You know, why? Why in a sport that, you know, you're supposed to, um, you're supposed to do something that's artistic, um, where artistic is part of the word, would you, would you limit it? It just doesn't make any sense. Can you imagine, you know, in, you know, in, in the world of modern dance, them coming up with a rule saying that you're not allowed to straddle your legs in a certain way or tip your head back in a certain way? It's absurd. There are a lot of them like that, too. A lot of rules like that. Okay. And so how do you think that... It sounds like you um, kind of missed the era of artistic gymnastics in some ways. How do you think that we can go back to, or in the future, uh, incorporate more artistry into gymnastics? Well, that's a a really, really hard question. Um, Because, you know, in... In theory, I believe that the Tenno system with risk, originality, and virtuosity, I think that that that, um, that, that is in a perfect world where no cheating was involved, <laughs> that, that that's the biggest, that, that's the best way that gymnastics should go because it's encouraging all the things that take people's breath away. Doing, you know, the triple back on floor and doing, you know, something completely different and doing something better than anybody's ever done it before. Um, but, you know, the problem is, is, you know, it's very easy to cheat when, when you do that. Um, judges from different countries can form blocks and, you know, this can be original in one meet and then it's not at this meet and, something that's been done a bunch of times. So it, it is. It, it, it's a very, very big problem. But I do know that um, the artistic component needs to be, it, it needs to be constantly monitored. And, you know, it, it, it's funny because, like, um, I mean, Zokai, I, I think by the rules on floor, he did deserve to win. You know, I think it was the best routine he's ever done on floor. Mm-hmm. But... I just, you know, I just don't understand how how there's not a, a way in the rules that just the way he stands and turns around isn't evaluated critically. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, every gymnastics, you know, fan in the world knows that. Yeah, it's, it's amazingly difficult, and like finishing with a stuck double double on the floor is it's really really hard, but. You know, he could, he could definitely, he could definitely be more artistic on that event. I was so happy that they got that right on high bar. They didn't get it right enough because he, he shouldn't have even won a medal there. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it, it's got to be artistic or it's, it's, in my opinion, it's, it's pretty boring. You know, it's, uh, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's just not, you know, I mean, you all see it, you you see something that takes your breath away and you know it's like that's why we love gymnastics you know not because it's just hard um if it's a little unusual and it's it's really hard and it's just it just makes you go oh wow that's that's gymnastics and you know (laughs) i wish they could get that right okay great so we have um, maybe for one quick fun question, and then we have a favor to ask of you. So, um, okay, we were wondering, uh, uh, what's your most embarrassing gymnastics moment? Um, <laughs> can you think of any? Wow. Uh, for instance, I've ran into balance beams after doing tumbling passes. I can't think about all the embarrassing moments in my life, but I'm sure you can think of some too. Yeah, let me think here for a second. Um, wow. Um, well, this might sound funny, but it's like when we went out on tour, we did a whole bunch of spots. And this really isn't that embarrassing, but at the time I was young, and so I was incredibly embarrassed. And we toured, you know, and we had some of the rhythmic gymnasts were with us. And so, you know, for the first, like, 10 or 12 stops or whatever, the guys were all messing around with the rhythmic stuff. And I was like, I'm never, I, I'm just not going to do that. I just don't want to do that, you know, because I was afraid. And in Philadelphia, 
um, for a show, I of course go over and pick up the hoop and I'm using it like a hula hoop and it's like half the front page of the sports edition the next day. (laughs) (laughs) That was pretty embarrassing. And, you know, it's like, I'm the, I'm the only one that's not doing it. And of course I'm the one that, that's, that's karma for you. So, (laughs) I'll have to look that up in the newspaper someplace. You said Philadelphia? (laughs) Great. Thank you so much for your time, Tim, and we appreciate all your thoughts on gymnastics. And, yeah, we we really appreciate it. So thank you. My pleasure. You guys are great. Thanks. Thank you so much, Tim. This episode is brought to you by Elite Sports Band. EliteSportsBand.com. We've got your back. Visit EliteSportsBand.com, that's sports with a Z, and save $5 on your next purchase with the code GYMCAST. That's going to do it for us this week. Next week, we have Charlotte Drury, a member of the reigning Synchro National Championships pair. Uh, She's headed to the Tumbling and Trampoline World Championships in Bulgaria next week. We'll talk to her directly from the ranch and get the scoop on the pre-world's training, why she switched from artistic to trampoline, and what it was like to be a part of the Elite Three, the original training group in Southern California. It was Kyla Ross, Michaela Maroney, and Charlotte Drury all starred together and then became championship elite gymnasts. Um, And we'll find out what it was like to train all together. And... Until then, thank you all so much for listening, and tell us what you thought of this Tim Daggett interview, and if uh, you're a longtime listener, tell us if you found anything new in this one, and uh, next week we'll also go over all of our uh, feedback from the abuse prevention show, and we'll have a preview of trampoline, and we'll also go over all the news from the last two weeks. Oh my gosh, there's so much to talk to you. So, we'll talk to you guys next week. Until then, I'm Jessica from Master Gymnastics. Life Lawrence from the Gymnastics Examiner. I'm Uncle Tim from Uncle Tim Talks Men's Gym. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Daggett is brought to you by Timber Truck. Wait, what? <laughs> but I do like Tumble Matt Truck. Wait. And you are also. Oops. <laughs> and they are also. And they are also very colorful. Yeah, that was horrible. (laughs) To you by Tumble Truck Track. (laughs) (laughs) Tumble Truck, they're coming out with that next week. No, they're not. At my old school. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I always go, look at You're fired! <laughs>